0: Hello and welcome to Real Estate Insights, the podcast series from Savills, exploring every corner of the property world and getting at the real stories behind the property headlines. To kick off the new year, we're going to look at what might be in store for all the different sectors of the industry in the UK in 2019 and playing a game called My Returns Are Gonna Be Bigger Than Yours. I'm Guy Ruddle and joining me to champion their own sectors are three of Savile's finest. Lucian Cook is head of residential research, Emily Norton is head of rural research and Matt Oakley is head of commercial research. Morning all of you, how are we? Good, thank you. Yeah, very good, very thank well, you. Thank Looking you. forward to this. There's some husky voices. Uh, I think Emily and I, particularly, have uh, got New Yearitis or something like that going on. So you'll just have to bear with us. Now, before we start, I'm going to try something that we've done once or twice before on the podcast. And I've, uh, you, I haven't warned you about this, and we'll see whether it works. It's called the Savile Standout Statistic. So what I'm going to do at the end of this conversation, I'm going to ask you for a simple single statistic that you think is dramatic or stand out or is a piece of information that you know that other people don't or or something like that. So you'll have to talk and think as, as we go along and we'll see if it works. And if it doesn't work, well, it doesn't matter. Before we get stuck into the individual areas that you all look after, there are some, I think, common themes for the year that I think investors probably need to look out for. And it might be worth having a chat about those. And I think the sort of the first one is general uncertainty. You know, it's political or economic or social uncertainty in, in the country at the moment. Is that something that, that all of you, Lucian maybe to start with, are,
1: are conscious of and, and, and think investors have to worry about? Yeah, well, I think market uncertainty as a result of that political uncertainty and people just feeling very, very cautious about their investment um, decisions is, is clearly in play. On the residential side, I suppose you need to set against that against the policy context, the domestic policy context, which is slightly more favourable, I would suggest, towards um, certain parts of the residential sector but less favourable in others. So uh, the, the buy-to-let sector, mortgage buy-to-let under real pressure, whereas something like build-to-rent, that I'm sure we'll talk about later, uh, giving being given much more support through the planning system, for example.
0: I Emily, mean, do, you, do you feel the same? Because in your area, there's, you've got all sorts of things going on. There's, there are various laws coming in or, you know, uh, plans coming up, coming down the road. It, it, does it make it all quite difficult to predict?
2: Absolutely, and um, we certainly find our investors are looking for certainty at a time when there is very little, and that's very much why we've focused on those underlying fundamentals um, underneath the market that are really driving um, supply and demand uh, within any situation, rather than necessarily worrying about um, those those bigger regulatory changes. If, if your business is dictated to by regulation, it's always going to be vulnerable, and that's certainly the case for a lot of UK farming businesses, they're exposed to the common agricultural Policy. So Any change there uh, is going to be uh, disruptive. So moving on from that is really crucial.
0: I think, Matt, maybe Emily sort of hit the nail on the head with, with the idea of concentrating on the fundamentals. Yeah, I think, you know, in the commercial sector,
3: uncertainty is probably less of an issue, actually. You know, it's been around for such a long time. You can't maintain uncertainty for too long. It's a bit like excitement. But, you know, most commercial property investors hold their asset for longer than the life of a particular government. So actually, political change doesn't have such a big impact on us. I think you can hold and carry on with excitement for a long
0: time. Do you not? Not at my age. (laughs) What about other things like We've got to talk about it, you know, Brexit. I tell you what, let's, let's deal with Brexit in a different way. Instead of doing the usual, it's going to be a disaster, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What happens in all of your areas if Brexit doesn't happen?
2: I think mine's probably the easiest one because we're stuck with a common agricultural policy, which means that it's largely the status quo. But it uh, also means that some of the bigger drivers in uh, rural land use, such as the Climate Change Acts, are going to be harder to implement. There'll be more policy tension going forwards. But fundamentally, the um, scheme under which landowners are paid at the moment for looking after their land would stay the same. So that might be a good outcome for many.
0: My guess with you two, Lucian and Matt, is that, that, that Brexit happening or not happening... Is more has more of an influence on your side, Matt, in the in the commercial world than it does on your side, Lucian, in the in the residential world.
1: Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I think from the residential market perspective, when you talk, talk about things like house price growth at the moment, it's sentiment that holds sway. It's not necessarily about the economic fundamentals right at the moment. I think they come into play a little bit later down the line. Uh, so anything which either firms up that sentiment. Um, or, or just makes people much more uh, clear about what's going to happen to household finances is going to be something which should improve uh, the housing market until such time as we start to see interest rate rises come through, which will put a bit of a break on house price growth. I agree with Lucy, and I think you know
3: it's not really a question of Brexit happening or not happening. You know, all people are looking for is some clarity. Um, once you know we've got clarity on where we are where we're going people can you know who run businesses who invest in real estate can start making real decisions the real problem at the moment is nobody knows where we're going i have to say actually probably the only scenario we haven't modeled is brexit not happening um so that's a new one on me i said
0: earlier we were going to play a game called my returns are going to be bigger than yours Um Obviously, it's not quite as simple as that. But in your report, your, your combined report, there, there is a, a graph uh, which shows uh, where returns are likely to be. Emily's looking nervous now because if you do look at the graph, it does, you know, Matt, you're the superstar with the biggest returns in your area. And then, I, mean, I don't know, I'm oversimplifying this, but then Lucy and then you, Emily. Is, is that a fair summation of what the market's going to be like like this year? Emily desperately <laughs> defending her corner. You know,
3: it is all about return. You know, nobody invests in anything if you're not going to get a decent return. Um, But I think, you know, you've got to look at the fundamentals of various sectors. Some sectors are easier to trade in and out of. At the moment, you know, industrial property is very much the sort of the darling of the global investment universe and, and will continue to outperform. Um, you know, at the other end of the equation in my sector, you've got retail property, which is universally unpopular. Um, funnily enough, I think that may be one of the biggest opportunities going forward. So just following the chart is not necessarily um, good investment practice.
1: I think on the residential side, um, it is those those income-producing fundamentals are beginning to come into play now. We have a, a big mismatch between the supply of uh, rented accommodation um, compared to growing, increasingly growing levels of demand for that. And it's that which really underpins residential as an investment sector and pushes us uh, towards the top of the investment returns, albeit we can't quite compete uh, with uh, Matt's urban logistics. But otherwise, we're pretty much up there. He's looking very smug over there,
0: Emily.
2: We're just there to make everybody else feel better. But of course, as you know, it's all about risk and reward. And there are lots of different reasons why people will buy different classes of assets, either for the investment return or for a bit more security. And land has always been seen as the more secure end uh, of the market. But bare farmland, the top 25%, is predicted to do well under any Brexit scenario. So it, it just depends what you're looking for.
1: Yeah. And I think the other advantage of, of uh, rural property particularly is that the planning environment is changing. The government has a very strong agenda to deliver more houses. It looks like um, development is much more on the cards perhaps than previously it would have done. So any of those landholdings with latent development potential could see some reasonable land value increases, not necessarily from the rural perspective, but just from that alternative use yeah. proposition.
3: And that's one of the reasons why you know, urban logistics is so strong. Actually, there's such pressure to deliver housing in the big cities in the UK. It means there's going to be a real shortage of sites for logistics, which pushes up the capital value growth. So we're benefiting
0: from actually government housing policy. So another little challenge for you all. In the report, you've each come up with sort of six things to watch out for in your sector in this year. This is a podcast and not something you read. So I'm going to narrow that down to one. So, Lucy, why don't you go first? Of your six key areas to look out for, what do you think is the single most important thing for investors in your, in your area in, this, in, in 2019?
1: Well, for those people who are looking for dry investments, so they're just looking at the income return and they're just going to invest in uh, existing residential stock, I think it's probably the rebalancing, the regional rebalancing of the market that we're likely to see. So uh, London has outperformed the rest of the UK for a prolonged period. It now looks like we've reached that point where actually it's going to be the the weaker of the housing markets going forward because affordability stretched there. And I think for a number of reasons, that means the investment focus is going to shift north, where there's higher yields and potentially higher prospects for capital growth. And
0: when you say north, is it? do you mean generally north?
1: Or are yeah, there... it's gener- generally north, lower value markets to the Midlands and the north of England, perhaps into Scotland, uh, where you get a, a better income return, where if you're a buy-to-let investor who's a bit more constrained in terms of their interest tax relief, you're more likely to be able to make your investments break even, for example, or indeed um, turn a profit.
0: Matt, in, in your area, uh, what's your – well, the, the, the sort of the superstar bit, as we've talked about, is, is logistics warehouses. Thing, and it has been for a couple of years. It's still in terms of your forecast right up there. Is it, is it, is it, is it getting a bit boring <laughs> talking about it again and again? Yeah, I think it is. There's nothing
3: wrong with buying it for a sort of safe, stable, secure return. But I think, you know, my one sort of tip for for 2019 uh, and beyond is is don't follow the herd. You know, there's an awful lot of noise about this and that. And it it does tend to lead you to following the herd. Uh, For me, it's actually maybe time to go contracyclical. People were very bearish on the prospects for London offices last year. There was the prospect that maybe 100,000 jobs would go to Europe. and, And actually, the number is about 600. 130 so far. So I think, you know, look behind the headlines, concentrate on the fundamentals, make up your own opinion, don't just buy what everyone else is buying is usually a pretty good rule of thumb. Emily,
0: what about your, your part of the world?
2: It is inescapable, unfortunately, that the regulatory change that's coming to the rural economy is going to impact on a lot of the investment models that we see at the moment. And so it's very much a question of challenging those business models, particularly when it comes to the tenanted sector, um, where the public money that's been coming into the system has been going and how it's been reflected in returns. It's just to take a bit of a pause to see um, how that's going to impact on business models going forward. Um, It's inescapable that there's going to be change.
0: I've won the lottery and I've got uh, uh, £10 million to invest in property in in this year, 2019.
1: What am I going to do with it? From my perspective, clearly it's going to be residential. It's all about looking for yield, And the areas where there's some unexploited prospect for for capital growth. So if you're investing in the south, it's about improvements through infrastructure or regeneration. Otherwise, it's looking to those slightly lower value markets uh, where you can spread your risk uh, a bit more widely. And you've got the prospect of some slightly higher underlying returns, I would guess.
0: Matt, shall I give it to him or shall I give it to you?
3: Well, ten million doesn't buy you a lot of commercial property to be property to be honest. So I think you, maybe you'd want to borrow a bit against that. But you know, if it was if I had ten million, I'd probably stand on my local high street at lunchtime in the middle of the week. You know, look at the shops that trade well uh, and maybe capitalise on some of the. Um, Investor negativity about retail. Uh, you can buy a very good shop at a relatively cheap price at the moment, and it's always going to let.
2: I think you deserve a bit more fun, Guy. I think you should buy yourself a small diversified estate in south-east England with a good residential and commercial portfolio and make the most of the, what these two guys can offer you as well. as having a nice time.
0: Oh, that's a winner. Now, you may remember, or you may have tried to forget... That right back at the beginning, I, was, I asked you to think of a Savile standout statistic, something that, that strikes you as, as, as informative or important that perhaps isn't generally known. Uh, how are we doing, Lucian? You've had Should to do I... this before in a previous podcast.
1: I have. Um, and I have been banging on like a broken record um, about Bill to rent, So I ought to start there. So let's put that one into perspective. If you were to wind back three years, there would have been about 14,000 build-to-rent properties under construction. Wind forward to today's date, and that figure has increased to 42,000, which I think gives you an indication of the scale uh, and the speed at which that market is growing and evolving.
0: And I should say that uh, in a previous podcast towards the end of last year, we did a specific podcast about build-to-rent, which, uh, well, I, could, I would say, wouldn't I, but I thought it was absolutely fascinating. So, so, so search that out. Uh, Matt?
3: For me, I think, again, it's a bit broken record, but 85% of everything that British shoppers spend touches a shop in some way, shape or form. So, you know, retail is not dead. Um, It's not going to die out in the foreseeable future. And at the moment, it's looking very, very cheap indeed. So I think retail is a big buy for next year.
2: Emily? Last time we had a really major regulatory change within the rural economy was the 1940s, um, at which time there was upwards of 650,000 acres of land traded every year. And the line price was about £50 an acre. Now... Uh, we have declined massively in in the amount of land that's traded each year, right down to close to 100,000 acres per year. And the land price has increased dramatically to values closer to £10,000 an acre.
0: That's a great statistic, Emily. And by the way, Emily will be back in another episode of Real Estate Insights later in the month when we're talking about Savile's annual land market survey. So you'll hear her again in a couple of weeks. Lucian, Matt. Thank you two also very much for being here. That's about it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If that hasn't given you enough to think about or there's anything you've forgotten or you want more, then you could do a lot worse than going to the research section of Savills' website, savills.co.uk. Cross-sector predictions for 2019 is the report that these three have slaved over and written. And there's all sorts of information in there that we haven't been able to cover. And it's a jolly good read. And if you want to make sure that you're the wisest header Around when talk inevitably turns to property in the pub or at a dinner party or whatever, then please subscribe to this podcast using your usual podcast provider. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening and see you next time.
2: This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.